take those chances. And when somebody else isn't going to do it, you can be the person to, to step up and do it. And that can be a challenge because, you know, people be like, oh, he's such a try hard or he's doing this or doing that. And peer pressure is a real thing and, and that can affect you. But again, you just got to be willing to take that chance and do what you know is the right thing. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. One last thing before we get into today's episode. A lot of people ask how they can support the podcast. Well, I have a couple easy ways. The first way is just listen and subscribe. And another thing you can do is go follow the Roughnecks podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube as well. If you get something out of today's show, then do me a favor. Share it with a friend. If you really want to go above and beyond to support the podcast, then head over to roughnextpodcast.com and get you some of that merch. I appreciate all of the support, but let's get into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. This is episode 77, and we are getting closer to that Q&A Friday, which will be next Friday. So be sure to email your questions in to roughneckspodcast at gmail.com and then listen to episode 80 next Friday and potentially hear your question answered. But we are here today with episode 77, and joining me today is none other than Mason Tomlin. What's up, Mason? Welcome to the Roughnecks Podcast. What's up, Cole, man? Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to get on here and talk a little bit and uh, and see how you're doing. So thanks for having me. Yes, sir. I've uh, been wanting to get you on. You've uh, definitely had, you know, quite the experience with everything that you've gone through, like all the coaching, different different coaches you've coached with and for and stuff. Um, so just to kick off the episode, give the Roughnecks listeners a little background on who you are. Yeah, man. Uh, so, you know, as Cole said, my name is Mason Tomlin. Um, you know, I'm originally from Worcester, Ohio. This is about an hour and a half north of Columbus. Um, I went to Ohio Wesleyan University, uh, went there, graduated in 2017. Um, so when I graduated, I got a volunteer coaching job, and that's kind of where my coaching journey began. Coach Watts at Ohio Wesleyan, the head coach there, hooked me up with uh, a guy named Eric Kaler. But that was my first job in Miami. I was a volunteer for 10 months. Um, and then when I left Miami in January of 2018, I went to Wayne State University up in Detroit, Michigan, um, and an Ohio Wesleyan uh, guy that I played with, an Ohio Wesleyan alum, Shane Lacanaria, got me uh, got me hooked up up there. So then I was there for a brief, and it took me a little to, to think about if I would want to and things like that, because I always did want to, you know, go back to Ohio Wesleyan and give back and coach guys that I played with and things of that nature. Um, but nonetheless, obviously, I did accept that position, and I was there for two seasons and that was uh, March of 2018 until March of 2020. And then March 3rd of 2020 was my first day at Ohio University. I was hired as a linebackers graduate assistant. So I was in grad classes, um, I had to take four of those a semester. Um, and I was, you know, coaching. I was there to coach. The graduate degree was really just a product of me wanting to coach. Um, but nonetheless, I was there for 14 months, but the funny 
thing is there is obviously with uh, COVID and the pandemic and whatnot, I actually was on staff there for 14 months, but I only spent about eight months, I'm sorry, only about six months, five months in Athens because we were quarantined and I was at home and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that was a bit of an interesting dynamic. And then um, I'll get a little more detailed here about how I got the job just because it's uh, it's an Ohio Western Connect, but it's a pretty interesting one. Um, I was going to say, actually, at Ohio University, I got that job through the defensive line coach, whose name is Pete Germano. He just retired on this past season with his last one, but he is also an Ohio Wesleyan alum. Um, so I got the Ohio University job from an Ohio Wesleyan guy as well. So then moving to Iowa State, um, there's a guy by the name of Dion Broomfield, um, played at Iowa State, and uh, he graduated in the December of 2013. So he came to Ohio Wesleyan and coached there for about two months. Um, and then he got picked up by the Buffalo Bills and was on their practice squad and, you know, that sort of stuff for a little while and, and had some time in the NFL. Um, and he came back to Ohio Wesleyan in the spring of my sophomore year. And he coached for maybe, maybe a month, maybe three weeks and got a different job offer. Uh, I believe it was at Western Illinois or Indiana State. Um, and he uh, went out there and took that job. So I had known him probably for a combined of two and a half months, maybe three months in total um, when he left Ohio Wesleyan and I was just a sophomore, but I kept, you know, fairly good contact with him and always, uh, you know, touch base with him and things. And he had gotten hired at Iowa State right before basically I had gotten hired. And um, the job was, you know, he had, there had been a few rumors of the guy that was in my position um, was going to be leaving or something. And, and Dion reached out when he had finally left and said, hey, we have a job open, uh, linebackers, graduate assistant. So the same position I was in at Ohio University, um, but uh, at Iowa State. And uh, he said, would you be interested in it? And I was like, of course I would, you know. Um, and I interviewed on a Wednesday. And I, uh, I got a call from Coach Campbell, uh, who's the head coach, Matt Campbell. Um, and he offered me the job on a Thursday morning. Um, so that was how that happened. And, you know, it happens quick as well. You know, I got the job offer on a Thursday. I moved out of Athens on Friday. And then I was in Ames, Iowa that following Friday on Memorial Day weekend. So it uh, happened pretty quick. But then I've been at Iowa State since. It's been about eight months or so. I got there uh, June, early June. And... Uh, yeah, just finished up my first season and just finished up a first recruiting cycle. So um, I guess here we are, you know. It's crazy. Like, you know, a lot of the young coaches, this is what you have. Like you go, you kind of bounce around for a little bit until you find that right fit. And it's not like you didn't like any of your other schools probably, but it was just like, you know, opportunities present themselves. Like you went from a base, a volunteer to now you're at a big time, like a big D1 school. It's crazy. And like the big thing that you talked about a lot in that is the connections that you have through Ohio Wesleyan. I'm not trying, I know we're both Ohio Wesleyan alums and I'm not trying to push anybody yeah. one way or the other, but it's something like the connections that you build there. And it, I'm sure it's the same at other schools too, but like you build these connections and it's important to build those connections because you never know where it might lead you. No, you're exactly right. And that's uh, something, you know, I always kind of feel like I had been told that, you know, my mom and my dad always said, you know, it's all about knowing people and making friends and having good relationships and things like that. But you really don't, you know, you don't expect it to really 
be as important as it is until sometimes it's too late. I feel like I was kind of fortunate where I was pushed to really network and talk to people and stuff. So maybe I was a little bit not ahead of the game, but like maybe on par with where I should have been, you know. Um, but nonetheless, like, like I said, every job I've had has been from an Ohio Western connection, you know. So it is weird how that all how that all happens and, and pans out. And there are other schools that have very similar, uh, you know, where they send a lot of coaches or, you know, even players that played and want to get into coaching afterwards to, to schools, you know, every year just based on good coaching connections that they've got. So it is crazy how it happens, but man, that's just, that's just the world, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you see it at other schools, but I know like you, you've seen it at Ohio Wesleyan. I saw it. Like you have these coaches that come in like you, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Devin holiday, like all these other coaches, yeah. they're only there yeah. for a little bit of time, but it like, you know, people are like, Oh, they're only there. And then they leave. But yeah, it's a big stepping stone. A lot of them go off to like, big time schools not like they don't like go to another d3 or another like they go like to d1 coaching jobs and like build something for themselves yeah and i was i mean just to speak on that you know people that i know that have done that you know the first guy i believe that i'm aware of was a guy by the name of pat embleton who's an ohio wesleyan alum and the only reason i really know him is because he recruited me and that's what ohio wesleyan the position that you can get at ohio wesleyan is so valuable because you're a young coach but you get to coach to your own position room. You get to go on the road. You get to go to high schools and meet coaches and talk to the talk to the players and the admission staff. Or not the admission staff. I'm sorry, but the guidance counselors and things like that. You know, building relationships, getting to do that, and that's very valuable. Where even at a GA GA spot that I'm in now, I don't have that opportunity. I think there's some certain things that could happen, and by NCAA rules, I could. But the NCAA rules say that I'm not allowed to really go to high schools and things like that. So that's what Ohio Western can really help you out with. You know what I'm saying? And um, again, there's been so Pat Embleton, he went from Ohio Western to Illinois. Uh, Devin Holiday did the same thing um, when I was when I was there in 2018, I believe. And then uh, Ike Reed went to uh, mm-hmm. where he go. He went to Buffalo. Buffalo. Yep. And then um, uh, Rob Delaney, he went to Illinois as well. So three guys have gone to Illinois. One guy went to Buffalo. Dan Reinick is a guy who went to Ball State. Um, after I left Ohio Western, I went to Ohio University. Um, so that's actually, you know, on the scale of those, probably what's, I guess, is in the MAC as well with Reinick and, uh, um, and uh, Ike Lee. But nonetheless, that's been a lot of guys that have, been there, done their year, done their two years, and, and moved on and are still doing well in the coaching profession. Exactly. So the one of the first things I want to talk about, because I forgot that you were from Worcester, was it kind of a weird thing going to Worcester when we, that's somebody that we play, or going to Ohio Wesleyan when that's somebody that we play? Yeah, it is. And it was, uh, it's, it was really strange just because – I had a friend and his mom was the basketball coach, head basketball coach, women's basketball coach at Worcester. And uh, we actually went and visited Ohio Wesleyan because his brother went there and we committed to Ohio Wesleyan um, together and we were going to play football, whatever. And then shortly thereafter, the College of Worcester, because they were in a new head coaching search. So the spring of my senior year of high school, they didn't really have anybody recruiting. You know, I wasn't a big fan of staying home anyway, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, 
they had gotten a coach and my friend Kevin decommitted from Ohio Wesleyan and went to Worcester. So uh, that was even more weird. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like thinking about going to Worcester, should I do it? Should I not do it? Oh, I'm going to go to Ohio Wesleyan with one of my best friends and play. Oh, no way. He's going to go to the college Worcester now. So now I'm going to play against him. So it almost kind of brought like a cool, like little friend rivalry. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was the same way. Actually, my best friend from uh, high school, we, me and him went on like all of our recruiting visits together. Like we're looking at a lot of the same schools. I ended up choosing Ohio Wesleyan and he ended up choosing Worcester. And we played like we became like best friends to like not enemies, but in a way like you're playing against them. But and I kind of in the same way, like I didn't want to stay home. I'm 15 minutes from Denison, which yep. it's Denison. So I'm glad I didn't go there. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I could have been here and been home. But then I look at it. I'm like, you know, I was 45 minutes away from home, which was perfect for me because like I was far enough away from home, but close enough to home that if I needed to get home, I could. Yep. Yep, that's 100% right. And that was one of the things I was, you know, attempting to do was go somewhere where I could also get home. And Ohio Wesleyan from Worcester is only about an hour and 15, an hour and a half. Um, so that's not bad at all. But it was it was a cool experience, you know. Like, I remember my senior year. So Keaton Leplomes, um, another kid by the name of Zach Croftjack is from a high school in Wayne County um, where Worcester's at called Norway. So there was four or five of us from Wayne County that were all seniors um, when I was a senior in 2017. And they did like a little write-up in the paper in Worcester. And it was just like, cool. There was some guys playing at Worcester and some guys playing at Ohio Western. So it was just a little competition, a little rivalry. And it was just, it was exploring to, and it was always the last game of the year. Mm -hmm. So that kind of added a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, pressure to win the last game. Exactly. See, my last game of the year was, I don't even remember, it changed my junior year, but our last game of the year, my junior year, which I believe uh, was your last year or were you gone my sophomore? Yep. Your, uh, your junior year, I believe. I was, uh, my last year was like the Twins and Flip and Gabe okay, and Jack. Okay, yeah, that would have been my junior year. Those guys, yep. Yeah, yep. and yep. we played Wit, which is even more of a big last game for us. But Yep, yes it is. So, but uh, your playing days, you had the long hair back then during your playing I days, did. correct? Yeah, because I, I did, uh, yeah. remember when you came in, I didn't know you because you graduated in 2017 from Ohio Wesleyan, which was my senior year of high school. So I didn't really know you, but then you came back and like everybody knew you. And I was like, well, I mean, it, and then I like you learn who you are. But it was that was one of the things I wanted to ask, too, is it was it hard coming back to Ohio Wesleyan? knowing a lot of the players and trying to coach them or was that something like was that a that like a learning curve that you had to go through yeah I wouldn't say it was hard you know it was it was different um but I would say I was extremely lucky that I worked on the defensive line with coach Cotter he did a really good job of you know holding me to a high standard and he also held you know the players to a standard as far as you know this is coach Tomlin now and we're all going to approach him that way and and do things of that nature. And that helped me out a lot, but that was on top of as well, Coach D and Coach Watts. They were very, they were kind of very hard on me and they were, you know, you can't be having fun. You can't be goofing around. You know, you can't obviously go out and drink with anybody. You can't go to the bars, things like that. And they were very, very strict on me at that. And that was good for me, you know, cause it really kind of made me be more professional. I feel like, you know, at a, at a young age in this business, I was, I had to be really professional because I was, 
working with kids that I had been in college with for two years. You know, they knew a different side of me. So I had to, you know, help get that other side to show. And those guys really helped me with that. But it was a challenge. I don't think it was too hard, but it was a, it was it was a challenge for a little bit, I'd say. Yeah, I think because I was on the other side of it where, you know, I was roommates with Teddy my junior year. And then in my senior yeah. year, he becomes a coach. And like, it's not like our relationship changed, but we had to, he like, we both also had to realize like, all right, this, like, we can't be like we normally were. We have to change it a little bit just because like, you don't want to get him in trouble. He can't, like, he's trying to avoid getting in trouble. And like, so you yeah. had to be real different. Like it was a different relationship in a way. Yeah. And like, you could still, you know, call him and text him and bull crap around and have fun and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But like, it's just like the same way when football is, you know, like when you cross the line to go practice or to go play, you know, it's, you know, you clear your mind and you go do that, you know, when it's time to go to work and stuff, you not there to have fun and be friends with Teddy. He's not there. To, you know what I mean? Be friends with you. He's there to coach you and make you a better football player. And that was something that to, took me a to second. To set those boundaries. Yeah. It took me a second. Cause I'll never forget the first time he like got on my ass at lifting and like, I almost couldn't take him serious, but then like later that day, I was like, now I like, I, that was like the coaching side of Teddy. That wasn't the like yep. friend side. Like he wasn't being an asshole. He was like trying to be a coach. And I was like, that's where I think my, like the light bulb went off in my head. Like, all right, this is a different, I got to treat them different at certain times. But I wanted to ask you a little bit. So you were a volunteer at Miami of Ohio. What was that experience like, you know, being a volunteer and basically going through the struggle that a lot of coaches start out, like where you're just grinding for like literally grinding just to try and build yourself? Yeah, so that was uh, that was a very big challenge. Um, you know, I was I was very, you know, so a volunteer is you know completely unpaid. You know, I didn't get any housing paid for. Um, you know, I would get some meals during, you know, fall camp and stuff like that. And I'd get a few meals during the week and obviously like game time meals. But that was uh, but that was it. And I was very fortunate to have two guys, um, two kind of mentors of mine um, really helped me out. One guy gave me a, a small loan so I didn't have to take it out of a bank, you know, and take interest and all that sort of stuff. So I was fortunate to have somebody like that help me. And there was another guy that that also helped me financially. So that made life a little easier. Um, but I did, like, I, I was a bouncer at a bar on Thursday and Friday nights. If we had a home game, I would do it on Friday nights. If we were away, obviously, we would be gone. But I did it on Thursday nights normally, and it was from about 9.30, 9 o'clock until 3.30 or something, right around there whenever they closed up the place and, you know what I mean, it cleaned up everything. Um, but it was, a, it was a challenge, but it was – Again, it was something that I think was good for me because I really saw what like coaches do have to go through to to get to where they want to be, and it's not not everybody you know is fortunate enough to to start off in a really a really good spot. Now that wasn't even a bad spot. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying a paid position or something of that nature. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Like the friends that I made there and the coach, the young coaches that I worked with. I still talk to to the most of this day. Like there's a football coaches convention in uh, last this past time in Jan early January. It was in San Antonio, um, and I'm every night that I was you know out having a few drinks with friends. It was always Miami guys, you know, and and that was you know that means something to me as far as that means we built a pretty good friendship and we've got a good relationship and and we're still building on that now, you know. Yeah, would you almost like? 
recommend, maybe not recommend, but like if somebody had that opportunity where they didn't have anything, would you recommend like take the volunteer, like be willing to be a volunteer and do what you have to do because eventually your time might come? Yeah, I definitely would. I mean, I would recommend it. Obviously, if you can get a paid position and it's somewhere you're comfortable with and things like that, then, you know, that's probably a better option. But I will also say, I feel like in some regards, you know, coaches are like, oh, like, you know, they like, you know, oh, you were at Miami, you know, were you a GA there? And then, you know, oh, I was just like, I think some coaches look at that and they're like, they kind of respect that in a way, you know, he volunteered, he, he he's done part of the stuff to pay his dues and he's done this and that. And I think that kind of helps in some ways because they know that you're really in it for the right reasons, you know, because if you're in it for money and stuff, that's what, you know, I don't understand about some people that say like, if you're in coaching, you're in it for the money or things like that just doesn't make sense to me because like I said, I worked for free. I mean, I've worked for $5,000 a year. I've worked for $8,000 a year. You know, I've, I've worked for almost nothing. So if you're in it for that, like it's one of the worst jobs I would say to you know what I mean to get in. Yeah, um, exactly. But it was, yeah, just, just very different in that regard. I would, I would suggest it, but uh, it's all different for everybody too. You know, everybody's path and everybody's journey to, their ultimate head coach or coordinator or whatever is different for sure. Talk about the G like what exactly, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't understand. Like if you come from a football, like college football, you, you kind of get it, but like tell people like what a GA does, because people think that like, you know, they leave when the head coach leaves or the offensive coordinator, you guys are there a lot longer doing a lot more like practice film kind of just talk, take us through like what exactly a GA does and how much work it does take. So, you know, it is a lot of work. Um, and you, you definitely know that signing up for it. So it's, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a double-edged sword, you know, you're working really, really hard and a lot, but it's for a good reason. And it's good. It's good. It's for a good cause, but nonetheless. So, I mean, main responsibilities that I have so I'll just speak as far as you know Iowa State but like it's a it's film breakdown so you know we're getting ready to play an opponent we've got to go through all of their games and break down the formations the plays the motions the I mean everything everything down and distance field position all of that sort of stuff um, and then we basically you know we sit there and we watch the film and we go through it and the coaches will ask, you know, can somebody give me this information or that, that information, you know, and you get on your computer and you find it and you give it to them and do things. Um, and at times where when that's happening, I'll be in the meeting room, you know, watching film with somebody, you know, just going over some stuff, helping them out, helping them learn, whatever, helping them get ready for the next game. If it's a, if it's a guy that's going to start or going to play a fair amount, things like that. And then, um, you know, we have practice and that's about two hours out of the day. So we have practice. And then after practice, we come in and I have to break down the practice film. So put in the formations, the plays, the down and distance, the motion, all that stuff. The same stuff I do for the game. I've got to do that for practice. Um, and then we'll watch the practice as a staff again. Go through that, see what we like, see what we didn't like, see what corrections need to be made. And then from there, we would go to a position meeting. And this position meeting would start probably at, uh, 6 p.m. and uh, our first meeting in the morning is at probably 7:15. A special teams meeting. I left that part out, but we started about 7:15. Um, I get into workout earlier than that, but 7:15 is when we start. And then this position meeting at the tail end of the day is at six six o'clock, 6:15. We have that for about 45 minutes, 
and then we have a special teams meeting for about 15 or 20 minutes. Um, so it's, you know, by the time that's all said and done, it's about 7.30, 7.45. And then we'll go back in again as a defensive staff and the offensive staff will, will go with their, with their guys and uh, they'll watch more film and keep game planning and scheming them up and figuring out what we can do, what we can't do. And generally, I would say, you know, on average, we get out of there about 9 to 9.30. So it's about 7.15 to 9.30, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Um, and I've been at places where, you know, we've been there until, and this has happened at Iowa State as well, but I've been where I've, you know, been there until 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and then had to be back there at, you know, 6.30 for a meeting, you know, so it's one of those things that you know it's going to be a lot. And, in the, you know, I didn't mention throughout all of this, I've got class, mm-hmm. you know, so I've got homework to do. I've got projects. I've got papers to write. Um, you know, the work isn't super challenging, so I'm fortunate about that. I'm not going to, you know, make it sound like it's super hard because it's not that difficult, but it is more stuff that I've got to do and stay on top of and know the due dates, you know what I mean, and and make sure I don't lose track of that because because again, as a graduate assistant in school, so if I get a below a 3.0, I'm on academic probation. And then if you're on academic probation, just like in an undergrad program for a semester, and then you, you know, say you do well, then obviously you're off of it. Or if you do poorly again, then you're going to be on, you know, academic suspension or something rather. And then you've got literally that's your last semester to basically figure out your crap and and get going, you know what I mean? Because then you, if you don't do well, then unfortunately you can get kicked out of the program and that would result in, in losing your job in theory. You know what I'm saying? So that's a tough deal, but that's why you've got to be, got to be able to keep track of all that stuff because it is a lot. I think one thing I feel like, I mean, I can't speak for you because I've never actually done it, but like one thing that probably helped being a student athlete, like a, co- a collegiate student athlete, like you kind of learn that time management. And that sounds like something that you really have to put into play a lot more than even in college. Like we had it in college, like, you know, you have meetings, practice, and then you got to do homework. But now you got a lot more, I feel like, on your plate. So like, I feel like time management, being a student athlete helped teach you and prepare you for that. If I mean, can you, can you say, would you say that it did? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I think the difference is back in, you know, in college and stuff, because life is a little easier than obviously, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, you've got like, oh, in 30 minutes, I've got to do this or I've got an hour, you know, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm breaking down time now, like by the minute, you know, like I've got to get this done by six seventeen because I've got a meeting at six forty-five, and I need to do this in between. You know what I'm saying? So I think I've, I'm even more, dialed into my time management but it was 100 percent developed while being a student athlete because there is times during the season where you don't have time to to mess around and if you are late there are consequences so you don't want to be late you don't want to experience that sort of stuff so you've got to be able to figure out what you need and what you don't need and that takes a little time to you know it's experiencing classes and different professors and things where now I know this assignment's going to take me 30 minutes and maybe it's a weekly thing or it's going to take me an hour and a half, you know? So I've got to make sure I account for that probably the week before, the weekend before, as you're, you know, getting yourself ready for, for the week, because again, you know when things are going to be, so you can help yourself out with your time. Again, learning it early on as a student athlete, or even as a student, as a student, you can do the same thing. But yes, it definitely helped out a lot. 
and uh, fortunate for that for sure. How many different positions now have you coached? I have coached. So when I was, I didn't mention this, but this is actually pretty strange. When I was at Miami, I was actually a, a volunteer. I was a graduate intern with the quarterbacks. Um, so that was uh, kind of strange. Being and you played linebacker in college, correct? Yes, yes. Um, never really, uh, never liked quarterbacks, honestly. So that was very strange going to uh, coach quarterbacks. And then I was with the defensive line at Ohio Wesleyan and uh, linebackers since then. So linebackers, defensive line, and uh, I guess quarterbacks, yeah. Was so. – I mean, I'm sure quarterback was definitely a hard – like a di way different shift because, like, you're coming one from the defensive side of the ball, trying to learn, like, the offensive side of things. And then – but I feel like, you know, uh, was linebacker to D-line a difficult kind of, like, learning shift? Or was it, you know, kind of – especially at Ohio Wesleyan, you already knew the play calls. It, like the it, you knew what was going on, but was it kind of a little bit more to get used to than you kind of expected, or was it just basically a, a breeze? No, it was definitely uh, that part was challenging. You know, I'm not I I don't have best football like, but that was a that was a challenge at the beginning. But it as a whole, and that's what the you know as me I, I would like. Coach one day, and that's going to mean I'm going to need to be a coordinator probably beforehand, you know. So, knowing how the whole defense operates and how all pieces are stringed together and one follows the other, etc., all of that, that helped me out tremendously because I did learn a lot more verbiage and terminology and techniques and how people do things to help make your players better and set them up for more success, um, which also leads into linebacker because some things that they do that help them will help us in the long run, but we just got to understand what they're doing to know how it's helping us. You know, a lot of kids nowadays ask the whole why and why this and why that. And that's such a good thing, I think, because they're trying to really understand it. Where when I was in college, I really was just focused on what the Sam and the world linebacker did. You know, I wasn't, I don't think I was really smart enough or could think enough about what everybody was doing. I needed to know exactly what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? And and dial in on that but it has helped out a lot the quarterback transition was was very challenging to be honest with you I didn't really know what I was getting into when I went to Miami obviously I wasn't a part of a division one program at Ohio Western um so it was very different in that regard but I learned I learned how you know at least quarterbacks in Miami and quarterbacks some other places probably read defenses and what do they look at to figure out what coverage they're in or to see if somebody's blitzing or things of that nature. And that helps out as a defensive coach, you know, because then you know what guys to make sure that they look the same so the offense doesn't get a tell or get a read on what you may be doing defensively. Some of that I bet you wish you knew in college too. Oh, 100%, man. Like I, I really wish when I played, like I would have taken a better understanding or tried to at least learn what the D-line was doing or at least the safeties behind me, you know, and like, I wish that would have helped me out a lot more, I think. And it would have helped me out, obviously, a lot more as a coach because I would have had a better understanding of everything going on. But I just, as a player, I thought a lot. I was, a you know, a thinker. You know, I was just always worried about thinking and didn't want to mess anything up. And then kind of held me back, I would say, early on in college as a freshman and sophomore a little bit. I played and everything, but not as much as I think I could have. And then as I got older, I feel like I was just kind of like, I cared less because I was like, man, screw it. I've got two years left or I've got one year left. Like, you know what I mean? And then I ended up being a much better player 
and uh, it helped me out a lot more in the long run. Yeah, it's I looked like when I because I played when I played safety and then got that my junior year made that shift the corner for that with that one season. I didn't realize how much knowing what the safeties were doing behind me helped me because I definitely was not the best corner. I didn't have I wasn't I'm not a natural corner. But then, like, just knowing what was going on behind me and trusting – I mean, we had some pretty good safeties back behind me, so that helped. But, like, just knowing and trusting them and just – it helped me at corner a lot. And I'm sure that's kind of, like, the same with linebacker and D-line because I feel like, you know, you got the linebackers and D-line, you got that front seven, and then you got the back yep. back half. They're almost two different scales. Like, the safeties don't necessarily need to know what the D-line's doing more so the linebackers, but like, you know, you kind of look, but it all works as a one big piece in a way. Yeah, it definitely does. And, and yeah, that's a good example that you had, you know, because in some scenarios it's as a corner, you know what you've got behind you because then you can take a chance on a ball or take a chance on a cut or something and, and try to make a play because you know, you've got help. And that's one thing that I've learned that I was um, and the guy that I worked for specifically Tyson bite, who was actually a head coach at Bluffton University um, until 2014, I believe, and then went to Toledo um, with the guys at Iowa State, and then they all went to Iowa State together. But Coach Bite does an unbelievable job at helping the linebackers understand where their help is. And that's something that I don't think that I've always understood completely and how to, you know, teach my guys that while also teaching them what they need to know, if that makes sense. And I can do this because I've got help here here, so I can do this instead, you know, and that's something that is very valuable. And I, I've learned that a lot while being at Iowa State. And if I would have known that as a player, it definitely would have made life easier. Um, but, you know, neither here nor there. Now I've learned it. I guess better late than never, they say. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask, too, like one of the things you kind of look because you've been, you know, around D1 programs. Uh, you said you were at Wayne State. So that's a D2 program, D3. Is there a difference in like practice speed and like just how things are done at those level at each level? There's definitely a difference in how things are done. Um, You know, like the biggest difference is the coaching staff and the personnel. You know, there's a lot of people on the practice field at Iowa State, like more than I can even describe. You know, there's obviously the team and the coaches and the GAs and but there's people standing all over the sidelines there's equipment guys there's strength and conditioning guys there's recruiting you know the recruiting department the operations department is down there so there's as far as there's just so many more people you know it's we all all programs do the same stuff they all recruit they all have a season training they all have summer training all at each level Today's episode is brought to you by roughneckspodcast.com. If you want to support the podcast, then head over to roughneckspodcast.com and grab you some of that Roughnecks merch. We have everything from t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, hats, and many more. Stay up to date on the website for new merch coming every couple months. You can place an order and it'll get sent directly to your door, and I don't even take any of the money from it. The money gets put right back into the podcast to continue to improve it for you. If you can't afford to buy some merch this time, then simply just subscribe to the newsletter and it'll keep you up to date on all the new things that are coming. I appreciate all of the support you guys give. It doesn't go unnoticed. Let's get back to today's episode. So 
So, yeah, so at Ohio Western, you know, you've got your eight coaches and they've got to do everything, recruiting, equipment room, um, operations, game day management, all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, at Iowa State, we've got people that do all of that in all different regards. You know, my job and the football coach's job is obviously they do recruiting and stuff, but, you know, we're the football coaches. We don't, you know, worry about setting up hotels for away games or getting buses or, you know, making sure the stuff's out for practice. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that goes the same as, as Division Two. They've got a little bit more than Division Three, but just a little bit less than, than Division One. And there's even a difference between, you know, Power Five as far as, you know, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, Pac-12, ACC, and the group of five schools like, like the MAC and the Sun Belt and, and all of those conferences. Um, but that's the biggest difference is really just the amount of people that you've got. What is one, if you could give like one piece of advice to a young coach, what would it be? I would say you've got to be willing to take a chance. There's going to be a time in your coaching career, in your time of doing this, where you're going to be like, man, I don't know if I should do this. It's not the best. Maybe it's not the best. You're not making the most money or you're not getting meals or something of that nature. You're far away from home, but you're going to have to take a chance and to just understand that part of that chance is what's going to happen afterwards. You know, there's, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is something to look forward to. So be willing to take a chance. And in the midst of taking a chance, you know, go in with both feet. You know, don't just tiptoe and dive in head first and really figure it out and, and go on. See, yeah, like like you said, if you do, if you just kind of tiptoe into it, or if you don't take that chance, like look at if you would have never took that chance to Miami, there's no saying that you you'd be where you are right now, like at Iowa State. So like it's it's one of those that you never know where it's gonna lead unless you take that chance, unless you you know just decide you know what I because like you like you said you were a volunteer doing it and you had to like scrape by, but it led you to different like to more things and it built more connections and like you're at that. Um, coaching conference you're still like you're still in contact with those people and you know there's no saying what it might lead to later in life for you if you don't take that chance you never know where you're going to end up that's 100 percent true and it's it's it is hard and it's not always the easiest thing you know even taking this chance and then i move you know you know my family and there's a lot but you just got to be willing to you got to be willing to take that chance and it's going to be worth it and you can make it even more worth it if you do go in you know head first and, and you take all of the risk and you take it all and, and you make the best of it that I like that you said make the best of it because if you go in like if you would go in and just be like all right I'm just gonna it's almost like what they always used to tell us in practice if you go through the motions and just do what you got to do you're not gonna 100%. improve you're not gonna keep growing if you you got to go in like wanting to learn wanting to and this is with anything in life it's not just like your coaching career it's no matter what you do no matter what job if you get an internship in college whatever it is go in wanting to learn and showing them that you want to learn because that'll help you in the future yep and be willing and you know like that's one thing too is be willing to do whatever it takes you know as far as taking a chance there's you know i've done like the most random jobs ever i've you know swept floors for recruiting events you know mop floors you know done all sorts of random things and there's no job that's too big nor too small no matter if you're at a division three program or you're at you know one of the biggest power five programs you can be at you've got to be willing to do it all and to take those chances and when somebody else isn't going to do it you can be the person to, to step up and do it and that can be a challenge because you know, people be like, oh, he's such a try hard or he's doing this or doing that. And peer pressure is a real thing and, and that can affect you. But again, 
you just got to be willing to take that chance and do what you know is the right thing and going to help not just you and and your endeavors for what's next, but the program that you're at, because when you're there possible to not only win games, but to also become better men as well. Exactly. So I want to move into some of the final stuff that we talk about on this podcast. And like one of the questions I actually forgot to ask it last week with Ellie and I've asked, you know, I don't know how it's been almost a year that I've asked people this, I implemented it in and can't believe I forgot it, but it was first guest and over since 2021. But my one question I like to ask all my guests is if you could go back in time and tell your 16 year old self one thing, what would it be? I would probably say that kind of kind of lead into, you know, what I was going to do with motivation, but, uh, you know, just, you got to keep on going. You know, when things seem off tilting, you got to keep going, you know, things are going to happen that you're not expecting and life is crazy, but you just got to keep going no matter what you just got to keep on going. There was a movie I remember, I don't remember what movie it was. And I feel like it was even maybe like a Disney movie, but, uh, it's probably in more than one movie, of course, but the, the person in the movie was just saying something and they phrased it at one point is you got to keep on keeping on, you know, and sometimes that's all you can do. And that's what you got to do. But you just got to keep on keeping on and keep moving forward. No, man, but you got to keep going. What am I going to do? Quit? That's not an option. You got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden. Dig it. You make it work for you. You never give up, man. That's my philosophy. That's Joe Dirt right there. That's a Joe Dirt quote. Yeah. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. I actually kind of just spoke on that last episode a little bit, I believe. Or maybe it wasn't last episode, a few episodes ago. Well, then that's even better than Joe Dirt. Life's garden, you got to dig it or something. like. I always mess it up. I don't know what the exact quote is. What am I but supposed to do? Quit? Just got to keep on keeping is. on. Yep, yep, yep. But I think that leads us perfectly into the next segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got from Motivation Monday, Mason? So for Motivation Monday, you know, like I just kind of hit on, life is crazy. You know, life isn't always fair, but you just got to keep going. You got to keep on working through all the trouble, all the adversity, all the good things, all the great things, and you just got to keep on going time doesn't slow down for anybody doesn't stop for anybody but you've just got to keep going you've got to find a way whatever it takes make it happen make it work and just keep going you know it's not always going to be easy and most of the time it's not going to be easy but find a way and again if there's light at the end of the tunnel it'll be worth it but you just got to keep on going and it's not always going to be easy like you said and if it's easy then that mean I feel like that means you're staying in your comfort zone and you're not growing. You're just kind of staying where you are. You're content with where you're at. You're not improving yourself. And like, so that you, if it is easy, it should never be easy. It's not light and life's never going to be easy for us. It sucks. Sometimes we wish it was, I could uh, attest to that right now, but like, it's not always going to be easy and that's okay. Just use those hard times as learning experiences. Use those hard times to grow. That's right. And you, again, just keep on going, keep on growing keep on developing, keep on learning, just keep on doing everything. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Cole. And with that, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Oh, before we wrap up this episode, I forgot. I asked all of my guests now, 
to give me a question for Q&A Friday. And what Q&A Friday is, is every 10 episodes, me and probably a guest will answer questions, any type of questions. It could be literally about anything. Um, and actually, you'll uh, the guest for this Q&A Friday, so I'm going to ask you to give me a question, but the guest for this Q&A Friday is actually Beachy. So it's going to be me and Beachy, Beachy answering questions. Okay. So um, me what, whatever question you got. Whatever question I got. All right, this is going to be a, this will be, a, I think this one will hit a little bit home, um, but I think it'll be a good one. So through the toughest times of your life, what was one of the most important things that you could rely on to keep going forward? Ooh, I like Think that of the, one. you know, one of the top two top, you know, toughest parts of your life. What was something that you could hang your hat on and, and keep pushing forward and, and make it through? Ooh, that, that is a good, that's going to be a tough one to answer too. That, I mean, that, but that's a good, really good question that actually, like, I feel like everybody could, should kind of think about because that's a, like, it's it, it just going off of what we just said. You look at those tough times and like, sometimes we don't realize how much those tough times mean to us at, until like later in life. And then like, we're like, oh, that, that prepared me for this or whatever. But that, that's a really good one. Yep. And sometimes you, unfortunately you forget what, you know, helps you get through times like that. And those are things that I feel like maybe you shouldn't want, you shouldn't forget and you should want to keep them in the, you know, keep them in your back pocket. Exactly. And with that, that's a wrap on the 77th episode of the Roughnecks podcast. Thank you so much, Mason, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to following you through your coaching career. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me, man. This was a blast. Hope some people can uh, get some stuff from it, man. Thanks again, Paul. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. We will be back next Friday, or this Friday, sorry, rather, with Fast Friday number three. But until next time, you guys know the deal. Life is hard, and it's going to knock us down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let the bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns, and take control of your life. Rough necks out. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks podcast. If you like today's episode, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend if you got some value from it. Head over to social media and follow the Roughnecks podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Don't forget to get you some of that merch by heading over to roughneckspodcast.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there. See you all next week. Roughnecks out.